You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, everybody. Welcome into today's edition of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, your home for Penn State coverage Monday through Friday, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. Today is Tuesday, October 27th, 2020, and we are one day closer to what is still As hard as it may be to believe or realize right now, still the absolute biggest game of the year for Penn State football. Yes, that's right. Ohio State is coming into town at the end of the week. I know we're starting to turn the page. Some people are still kind of feeling bad about what happened on Saturday against Indiana, but there's a big game with big stakes on the line this weekend in Happy Valley before a whiteout crowd of approximately zero. We're going to talk a little bit about what the stakes of that game are. We're going to still reflect on what happened on Saturday because today is our Twitter Tuesday episode when we address some of your questions. We've got a couple questions that were thrown away on Twitter before we hit record on today's episode. And we also have a kick time for when Penn State's game after Ohio State will be played. Should be a nice little rebound game. We'll tell you a little bit about that in today's episode. We put these podcasts out every Monday through Friday, and we even throw out a bonus episode here or there, especially if you're following along with the post-game coverage on our Twitch channel. Best way to make sure you never miss a single episode is to hit that subscribe button right now. Oh, wait, go ahead. Hit that subscribe button right now, whatever podcasting app you may be listening to, whether it's Apple iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, you name it. If you're listening to this podcast, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And then if you want to help us out a little bit more, you can leave a rating, leave a review. Those feedbacks really do help us out in terms of growing the show, with the placement on those various podcasting apps. And genuinely, we just like hearing what you guys have to say about this. And we want this to be something that you want to enjoy. You want to spread the word with your friends and your family and your fellow Penn State fans because ultimately the more of you we can bring in bring more of you we keep bringing back the better the show is going to be in the long run I really do mean that you can also reach out to us in a variety of ways on our social media platforms we're on Twitter Facebook Instagram and Twitch all using the same username of locked on Nittany so go ahead search for locked on Nittany on all of those social media platforms and if there's another social media platform you think we should be on let me know I would love to hear what you have to say so Subscribe to the podcast, stay socially connected, and with all that out of the way, guys, let's go ahead and get today's episode underway. I do want to start today's show with just a couple of quick news and notes, a couple of things we actually didn't get a chance to mention in our podcast yesterday due to when we were recording and just the fact that there was a lot to talk about yesterday as we still kind of picked up the pieces from the rubble of Penn State's 36-35 to setback on the road in overtime against Indiana to open up the 2020 season. Uh, one of the impacts of that loss was Penn State falling in the rankings, as you would imagine, because you start the year with a loss and you started at number eight in the polls, you're going to take a hit. So I found it pretty interesting. First of all, in the AP Top 25, Penn State fell down to number 18. Uh, Indiana actually came in at number 17. Uh, I can't argue with that. <laughs> uh, maybe they, maybe there's some controversy over whether or not Michael Penix actually did score that two-point conversion. I've got another thought on that real quick. But uh, found it interesting that in the Amway coaches poll, uh, Penn State still stays ahead of Indiana. And, you know, I have a longstanding conflicted interest in the coaches poll in particular, and I've had some criticisms of it over the years. And the fact that Penn State is still being ranked ahead of uh, Indiana tells me a couple of things. First of all, I still feel as though despite the loss, there are still enough coaches that are or whoever's voting in the poll that still believe 
as the season goes on, Penn State is going to be a better team than Indiana. Not every pollster is going to go strictly on head-to-head matchups and overall resume. Uh, in this particular case, yes, Indiana won. Uh, maybe there's some hesitation on whether or not they actually scored that two-point conversion. Maybe that comes into the factoring. I don't know. But the fact is there are still enough votes out there that believe that even though Penn State lost, they still feel like they are the better team. And this is just one of those things where everybody goes into a ranking uh, with their vote and their ballot much differently on a person-by-person basis. Everybody has a different uh, principle for how they're voting, what they're looking for in casting their vote. Uh, you know, Indiana may have the, the resume that Penn State does not right now, but the fact that you know, there's uh, some pollsters out there that still feel like Penn State is the better team, you know, take it with that what you will. I think, um, you know, I've I've long been established that the, the coaches poll is not my favorite poll. I will cover it. I will react to it uh, because I do know that people will talk about that thing. But uh, the AP poll, I feel, is a little bit more of a good reference here for the, the temperature of the season right now. And uh, Penn State falling to number 18 seems about right to me. I, you know, obviously, with all the other stuff that's been going on this season, other teams having put together some resumes, uh, it, it's hard for Penn State to stack up right now. So they have to earn their way back into that top 10 and maybe even higher. Uh, obviously, a win against Ohio State would... Do a lot to help with that cause, but we'll get to that as the week progresses. Uh, one other note from the transfer portal. I saw this online 24-7. I don't know if it's been reported elsewhere, but this is where I saw it. Uh, former wide receiver John Dunmore. We knew recently or previously that he had uh, left the program. Uh, he was not a part of the roster going into the season. We reported on that or covered that a little bit ago, maybe a couple weeks ago. I don't remember exactly. But he is now uh, reportedly entering the transfer portal, which I I guess was to be expected. I think when it was established that he was not on the roster, uh, the next step is always going to be or very likely going to be the transfer portal. So I don't know if there's any progress on where he's looking to go, where he may end up going. But that just seemed like a, a very likely path moving forward. And speaking of moving forward, we are moving forward towards the coverage of this weekend's game between Penn State and Ohio State. Uh, coming up on Wednesday, we're going to have our crossover episodes with our new friend, Jay Stevens, who does a terrific job hosting the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. I, I know <laughs> you may not want to listen to an Ohio State podcast, but this is a good week to do so because Jay's a pretty fun listen. Uh, he brings a lot of energy to the podcast. I'm very much looking forward to bringing him on uh, to talk some Ohio State Buckeyes with you guys right here on our podcast. And then, of course, I'll be making a, an appearance over on Locked on Buckeyes. I think we're doing that the same day as well, but it's definitely going to be on Wednesday here. So if you have any questions about Ohio State, feel free to send them our way and we'll try to work them into the conversation uh, if we can. And I'm sure I'm going to have some questions that I'm already going to throw in there as well. But looking forward to uh, bringing Jay on to talk about uh, this weekend's game for sure. And I saw this uh, on Twitter. Chris Fowler, of course, uh, a, a, one of the best when it comes to college football broadcasting, does a terrific job uh, in that lead spot uh, alongside with Kirk Herbstreet. Saw him post on Twitter uh, that he's going to miss the whiteout this weekend, going to really miss this Saturday night. He shared a video of the whiteout crowd, and he's saying he's going to miss the whiteout this weekend, not because he's not going to be there, but because there will be no whiteout, of course. There's no fans in the stands. But uh, it's always pretty cool to see uh, broadcasters. And I know Chris Fowler's got an affinity for Penn State. I, I get that. But I do think that it's always pretty cool to see announcers, broadcasters uh, comment and praise the atmosphere 
that a whiteout crowd does bring. It's going to be different this weekend. There's no question about that. And I've long been uh, saying that that's a great neutralizer that helps Ohio State, not that they need a whole lot of help. And that was the other thing that Chris Fowler said you know, in his tweet. He says, the most energized, photogenic annual college football scene. Maybe Kirk Herbstreit and I will just sing in the booth. Penn State football will miss it too. Big Ten needs... Big 10 teams need to find any edge they can against Ohio State in 2020. I could not agree more. But like I said, uh, Penn State's schedule will continue after the, this game against Ohio State. And the game after Ohio State is going to be the perfect rebound opportunity. No matter what happens this weekend, Penn State's going to have a much easier go of things, I would think. And now we know what time that game will kick off. Penn State and Maryland on November 7th is set for 3.30 p.m. Eastern over on the Big Ten Network. I do have a couple thoughts about some of the other developments that happened around the Big Ten. I know I mentioned them briefly in yesterday's podcast, but I want to spend a little bit more time just kind of reflecting on some of the latest news and headlines and some of my thoughts and observations from what I saw around the Big Ten in week one of the Big Ten season. I'll get to that next because there were some pretty good developments and some interesting developments over the past 24, 48 hours uh, as far as the Big Ten is concerned. We'll talk about that next. I may not know a whole lot about cars, but what I do know is that going to rockauto.com is the best way to get the parts that I need to keep my car running and keep it in good shape. And why is that? It's because rockauto.com is a family business that's been doing this for 20 years where they serve customers with the online experience that they need to make anything they need buying for their car as easy as possible. And what they do is they have a website where you can enter the make and model of your car or your truck, and it brings you up the entire catalog of every Thing that they have available for your specific vehicle. So what I do is I go to rockauto.com, I enter the make and model of my car, and I bookmark those results so that I have a quick and easy access to whatever I need at any given moment. And you can access it from your phone, you can access it from your desktop, doesn't matter where you are, rockauto.com is there to make this as easy an experience as you can possibly need. And they're also gonna save you money. It doesn't matter if you're a pro or a novice, they're gonna give you the best prices available, and that is because they genuinely care about giving you the best customer experience possible. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Don't forget to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. While things may not have gone quite according to plan on Saturday for Penn State, it was a reason to celebrate responsibly with the return of Penn State football and, of course, the rest of the Big Ten. And our new friends from Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado, invite us to celebrate responsibly and to just take a moment to chill. Because as the week goes on, you may feel like you're on the go, on the go, on the go, no matter what, all times of day, whether you're going to a day job, you're just trying to keep the hustle and bustle of this new life that we're all living right now, you're gonna need some time to relax. And the best way to do that is with the beer that is specifically made to chill and take a moment for yourself. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you wanna hit reset, Reach for the beer that's made to chill. And if you're running low, don't forget, you can go to get.coorslight.com. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with get.coorslight.com. Remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. 
So I mentioned a couple thoughts about some of the things that we saw around the Big Ten from the first weekend that was Big Ten football, but we got so carried away with the discussion over that Penn State-Indiana game, uh, which is fair because this is a Penn State podcast. Of course, we're going to focus most of our attention on what actually proved to be, I think, the biggest story in the Big Ten on Saturday. I'm, I'm not just saying that as a homer. I do feel like there's been plenty of national discussion specifically about this Penn State-Indiana game. And I can say that because I have done a couple of radio interviews over the last couple of days, and that is the biggest game that people have been asking me about. I went on SportsMap Radio on Monday afternoon, and all we talked about was the fact that Big Ten schools in particular have no excuse for not having multiple goal line cameras. And I, I still say that I don't know how many cameras they could have had, but I, and I don't know if that would have eventually overturned the call on the field in Penn State's favor. Uh, regardless, uh, this should be a teaching moment. Uh, this is 2020, folks. We don't have any excuses for not having all the available cameras possible, especially in a conference like the Big Ten that has so much revenue that it is distributing to all of its uh, members. And of course, the television partners that the Big Ten has. No excuse. It doesn't matter what stadium you're in. You should be able to have at least one goal line camera, let alone multiple goal line cameras. It didn't look like there was one single goal line camera in Bloomington. That just makes absolutely no sense to me. But again, I talked about that a little bit yesterday. I talked about it on the radio now. I talked about it with Jody McDonald on CBS Sports Radio late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, if you will. And that seems to be a pretty big problem that is facing not just this particular game between Penn State and Indiana, but the Big Ten, the college football in general. There is really no excuse now for not having these cameras. I feel like I've been harping on this for a number of years now. Eventually, we're going to get this right. And, you know, there are some games that have it right. Uh, you know, the pylon cam is nice, but it's not necessarily the perfect fix. But it's a big step in the right direction. We need more pylon cam availability. And I know... Um, uh, who was it? Sean Fitz, I believe, of Alliance 24-7 uh, posted something from the, the Washington and Cowboys game on Sunday with a goal line camera and had a little bit of a sarcastic tweet saying that this technology is pretty great. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. We need more of that. And there's really no excuse for that. Uh, but let's let's move on from that because there were some other takeaways I had from around the Big Ten, which, again, we sort of dropped some hints about that in yesterday's episode. But I wanted to just harp on it just a little bit more. Let's stay right inside. Well, actually, no, let's move over to the Big Ten West because that's actually a pretty big story right now, too, with Wisconsin. And we saw Graham Mertz, uh, the, the very talented quarterback recruit coming into uh, the Badgers uh, last year, redshirted last year, got his first start this year with Jack Cohn out uh, with his injury. And he put on a show against Illinois. And again, I'm not going to be sitting here and getting too carried away with what somebody does against Illinois, even though I think that Illinois took some steps in the right direction last year. Graham Martz was uh, really efficient uh, on Friday night, actually. Uh, you thought Justin Fields put a, uh, an efficient day. Uh, Graham Mertz was right on the same category. Uh, what was it, five touchdown passes? He only had one incompletion all night. Uh, th that was a pretty eye-opening experience, I think, for Wisconsin. And it was very weird to see Wisconsin be a pass-happy team. Not air raid style, but uh, efficient through the air, far more than the pounding and grounding it out on the ground uh, with the running game. Uh, which is typically Wisconsin's bread and butter. This looks like it added a new dynamic to what Wisconsin could potentially do this year. Maybe it makes them a little bit more of a viable threat in the Big Ten championship race. Again, nobody's really catching Ohio State, but Wisconsin certainly looked like clearly the best team in that Big Ten West division. And uh, Graham Mertz was a big reason why. Now, lo and behold, 
uh, he has tested positive for COVID-19. And that at least under one test. And as of we're recording this right now, who knows if anything will have changed by the time you get a chance to listen to this on Tuesday. But uh, the fact that Graham Mertz is tested positive shortly after a brilliant debut, it looks like he's not going to be playing this upcoming weekend unless there's a positive test. But uh, obviously the, the Big Ten protocols are a little stingy right now. So we don't know exactly when Graham Mertz is going to return to the field, but he has to sit out for COVID-19 precautions, get another, get some positive testing in him, uh, he has to go through the, the cardiac uh, testing. This is a pretty serious situation that one of the breakout stars from the Big Ten's opening weekend is now having to go through. So again, obviously we hope for the best. We hope that he is going to be healthy. We hope that there is not a major issue. And, and maybe he did have a false test. That is certainly possible. We cannot rule that out entirely, but this is a this is going to be the reality as we move forward and it could very well happen at Penn State it could happen at Ohio State this can happen anywhere in the Big 10 at any given moment so you just got to tread lightly on uh, getting carried away with what happens one week because who knows what's going to happen the next week who knows what's going to happen the next day in this case uh, with uh, Wisconsin so Wisconsin getting ready to take on Nebraska this weekend. Uh, I'm very curious to see how that all plays out because I thought that Nebraska showed some things, especially early on against Ohio State. And, and eventually, even if Nebraska's taking steps forward, we knew that Ohio State was going to pull away in that game. Uh, obviously, it was 14-14 to at one point in the first half and before Ohio State gets some plays to go their way. Defense makes some plays and things just uh, run away from Nebraska as they were likely to do, I would say. But I've said Nebraska is going to be a little bit of a wild card game. And if you thought the Penn State road trip to Indiana was dangerous, just wait a few weeks. I, I think that road trip to Lincoln, Nebraska is going to be pretty tricky, too. Uh, I think Indiana is a better team than Nebraska. Uh, but I do think that that is, and I've said this before on this podcast and over on the Locked on Big Ten podcast during our schedule analysis uh, episodes with Ben Stevens, that trip to Lincoln is a little bit of a problem area for me. We'll worry about that more when we get there. But it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Nebraska, certainly this week against Wisconsin, if uh, Mertz is not playing and what happens with them moving forward. I think Nebraska is going to be better this year. I don't know if it's going to necessarily reflect in the win count. And let me just say real quick about Michigan. I said this yesterday, but Michigan looks pretty good. And we don't want to get too carried away with that small sample size. And uh, But I do think that Minnesota team that they just ran away from and dominated really in a bunch of different areas. I think that Minnesota team is still pretty good. And what Michigan did to them uh, is really jarring to me because on a day that Penn State lost to Indiana, you saw Michigan look like the kind of Michigan that they're supposed to be. They, they made some plays defensively. They made some plays offensively. Joe Milton stepping in at quarterback looks like he could be the real deal. And of course, the, the Michigan running game had a pretty productive day too. Uh, Michigan's defensive line made some things happen against a, a quarterback in Tanner Morgan that looked more rattled than I think he was at any point last year. So Michigan looks really good. They're not Ohio State good, but that was certainly a brilliant season debut for the Michigan Wolverines. Now, I have another road trip, road trip for Penn State that I think is going to be a problem later on. I think so even more now, not just because of what happened with Penn State against Indiana, but the fact that we saw Michigan go on the road and really take care of a Minnesota team that I think is going to be pretty good this year. So we'll see if Michigan can continue that level of play on a week-to-week -week basis, but it certainly looked very good for the Wolverines in the first game of the season. 
And real quick, Maryland looks really bad. I'm just going to say that right now. Uh, Maryland was, what, an 11-point underdog against Northwestern. I thought there was no way they they should be an 11-point underdog. There's way too much going on in a positive direction as far as talent is concerned for Maryland to be that big of an underdog against Northwestern. I don't think Northwestern is that much better than Maryland, and uh, there's no reason to suggest that this is going to be a good year for Maryland. So like I said earlier, Penn State's going to get a nice little game after Ohio State. Regardless of what happens against the Buckeyes, Penn State should have a very easy contest coming up the week after that against the Maryland Terrapins on November 7th, again at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Big Ten Network. It is Twitter Tuesday. We've got some questions to filter through in our final segment of today's episode coming up next. All right, it is time to round out today's episode with our Twitter Tuesday segment as we do every week. On Mondays, we ask for you to send in your questions to our Twitter account at LockedOnNittany and we will address them and answer them as best as we possibly can in a segment in the Tuesday episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. If we have a lot of questions, maybe we'll have to do two segments. But as long as we get your questions in by 3 p.m. Eastern on Monday, we will make sure that they are included in the Tuesday edition of the podcast. If you wish to submit questions anonymously, you can also email them to us at any time using our email address, LockedOnNittanyLions at gmail.com. We will keep them anonymous. We won't share your name or information. You can send in your questions without being shy. It's completely anonymous when we do these episodes. So feel free to email us your questions using LockedOnNittanyLions at gmail.com or submit your questions at any time on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Now, we had one person submit question this week, and it's actually a couple of questions, but they're all kind of tied together. They come from at KilroyFSU, who's actually a Florida State fan, but he's a pretty well-versed college football fan in general, and I know I interact with him a bunch as well. He asks, how would you apportion blame for Penn State's loss to Indiana? What percentage goes to James Franklin for poor game management, to Devin Ford for not just taking a knee after he got the first down, and to the refs for blowing the overtime conversion call? Let's go with this. Let's go through this piece by piece. First and foremost, in a loss like that, the big play really is not just the overtime call from the refs in the video review. Let's talk about the Devin Ford touchdown because without that, that overtime situation never even pops up, I believe. So the Devin Ford situation, I, I think, is much more of a coaching error. And if it's James Franklin or if it's offensive coordinator Kirk Sharaka, running backs coach, whatever the case may be, somebody needs to be responsible for telling all the players that are on the field exactly what that situation is. Every player that's on the field needs to know that Indiana wants you to score. So if you see a wide open lane to the end zone, there's a reason for that. It's not just because your offensive line is doing a terrific job blocking. It's far more because Indiana is opening it up for you. They are paving it. They are shutting down all other traffic lanes to make sure that you have an express lane to the end zone. They want you to get into that end zone. That's why a player was celebrating on Indiana when Devin Ford actually crossed the goal line with the football. So I do think that maybe it's a mental error on Devin Ford's part. But to me, that situation goes far more on the coaching. So again, whether it's James Franklin or Kirk Chiraka, whoever the whoever is in charge of letting those players know what that situation is, and I think it has to be part offense coordinator, part head coach. Somebody has to take the blame for that, and it's not just Devin Ford. I'm going to go with coaching first and foremost, Devin Ford second. Again, 
Devin Ford's a young player. I get that, but it's still one of those situations that anybody who's on the field should be aware of. So yeah, I'm going to blame Devin Ford a little bit for not realizing the situation before he crossed the goal line, because it does, it does look like when I look, watch that replay, it does look like he knows what's up and he just realizes it too late or adjusts too late. And that, that that's a problem, but I do think the coaching needs to be a little bit more authoritative with the communication of what the situation is and what Indiana wants you to do in that particular spot. So I'm going to go coaching first, Devin Ford second. Um, the refs and the overtime conversion call. I don't blame the refs so much for the on the field call. The things happen so quickly that it is difficult to make a 100% accurate call in a play and a moment specifically like Michael Penix reaching for the pylon. The pylon moves. And certainly there is reason to believe that in real speed, it looks like he made the conversion. Uh, certainly if you're a ref watching it up close and personal, I can see how the the instant that that play happens, it's, you know, even if you have to confer with somebody else, I can understand why the call is made on the field. I, I really do. And I'm not going to rip an on-field ref for that call, obviously. I, I have a difference in opinion, but I also have the benefit of watching the replay about 1,400 times in the span of five minutes. So I'm not going to rip necessarily the on-field ref. The problem comes with the instant replay process. Okay, so we have talked about this, I don't know how many times, we even mentioned it earlier in today's episode. The The fact that there was no goal line camera or multiple goal line cameras as I have been stumping for for quite some time, that's an issue. But that's not necessarily the ref's problem. That's not the ref's responsibility. Uh, I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But I feel as though uh, the instant replay process as a whole is what failed here. And the fact that it's not necessarily the, the judgment call being made by whoever's in charge of the replay booth, but the fact that you don't have the available technology in the stadium. And again, I mentioned earlier the Hendershot touchdown catch that wasn't for Indiana late in that game. It looked like Indiana scored that touchdown. I think Hendershot actually caught the football across the goal line, didn't get credit for scoring the touchdown. Uh, Indiana does eventually score anyway, but so it doesn't really come back to haunt Indiana. But the fact that you weren't able to confirm that as a touchdown, I think it was a problem. I, I really do feel like he had the ball across the goal line, but you were looking at replays that were from different angles, not necessarily one straight across the goal line. So how is that possible? How is that actually possible that you don't have a goal line camera, let alone multiple goal line cameras. I don't, don't want to harp on this too much, but the fact that they didn't have those cameras available is a big problem. So again, the ref making the call on the field, I'm not going to put too much blame on. That's what the instant replay process is for. The question is, do you have the indisputable video evidence to confirm that the call on the field was wrong? I, I still don't know if you have the 100% indisputable video evidence. I know Penn State fans, by large, are going to see what they want to see. And I want to see what they see, too. And I, I, I think I do see what they see uh, with Penix uh, touching down out of bounds or the ball touching down before hitting the pylon. I, I think I can see that. What I can't say for 100% fact is it doesn't matter if the ball touches the ground. Did he touch the ground before the ball went out of bounds? That's the big question in my mind. And, you know, it's actually been a day or two now since I've watched the replay. So maybe I'll have to go back and watch it again. But that's what the video replay official is there for. They are there to make those tough calls. And I don't know if they made the right call. I, I really don't. I think there needs to be room for some interpretation and, you know, trying to figure out exactly what you're seeing and whether or not it is indisputable. 
I don't know. I, I think there's got to be a little bit of a gray area for certain moments because I don't know. It's one of those calls where you feel like you know the result of the play, but you don't have the actual video to 100% back it up in the court of law, if you will. And we've seen that more so with uh, you know spotting the football, possession of the football, and in this case, uh, the spot of the football as far as the relates to the pylon and the goal line. There needs to be a little bit of wiggle room, I think, in the review process. It would be nice to have indisputable video evidence, but sometimes you need to have some common sense too. So a mix of common sense and indisputable video evidence, I think, would be the perfect recipe for college football instant replay process as a whole. Specifically, in this case, I think it would have helped Penn State. But I'm also not going to blame the process at this point. It is what it is. I mean, you can only go with what you're supposed to do. And I do think, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think the call was going to be overturned. I, I really don't. I know you don't want to hear that probably, but I feel as though if the, the, the job of the video replay booth is to come up with indisputable video evidence uh, that the call on the field was wrong, I don't know if that was necessarily the case here. As much as I want to say that it was <laughs> pretty indisputable, I can't say that uh, from my point of view, I, I can see why it was not overturned. So again, I'm not going to blame a ref for the on-field in the heat of the moment call because I can see how that would be such a, a tough call to make and it may have looked like he actually reached and touched it because the pylon moves. And I think once the pylon moves and the, you see the player stretching for it, you can understand why that call was made the way it was on the field. The problem is not necessarily the video replay official, but the video replay process. So there you have it, our Twitter Tuesday edition of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. You are always invited to be a part of our next Twitter Tuesday by sending in your questions to our Twitter account at Locked On Nittany at any time. Remember to use that hashtag Twitter Tuesday too. That'll really help it stand out in the crowd. You can also submit your questions at any time anonymously using our Gmail account, LockedOnNittanyLions at gmail.com. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for subscribing on all of your favorite podcasting apps, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. We appreciate you subscribing, rating, and reviewing. It helps us out, and it also helps encourage us to make this something that you want to come back to and share with your friends and family as well. You can reach out to us on all of our social media accounts, not just Twitter. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch using the username LockedOnNittany. Lots of coverage still coming up this week as we get closer and closer to the Penn State-Ohio State game. We will have our interview, our crossover section with our friend Jay Stevens from Locked On Buckeyes coming up on Wednesday. You can take a look for the latest NCAA Football 14 video simulation of Penn State versus Ohio State. We'll have that for you very soon. And of course, there is always going to be some more on the way with our Facebook happy hour on Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern. We had to scratch it last week, but it's on this weekend because there's no way we're going to miss out on it heading into the Ohio State game. I'm Ken McGuire, your host here of the Locked on Nittany Lions podcast. You can check me out on athlonsports.com. Check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash Kevin McGuire. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Come back. We'll do this all again tomorrow on Wednesday with our new friend, Jay Stevens from Locked on Buckeyes. Until then, have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.